businesses they lead. You might even know their faces. But do you know why they are difference makers? Hi, I'm Adam Van Bremer, the editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. Welcome to Difference Makers, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories and insights from Savannah's key players, the men and women who lead our city in commerce, in arts and culture, in philanthropy, and in government. Difference Makers explores the methods behind success and gives you a whole new perspective in business, leadership, and this community. Today's episode features Bryn Grant, the Chief Operating Officer of the Savannah Economic Development Authority and the Vice President of the World Trade Center Savannah, which connects the local business community to the world. She's a Southeast Georgia native and in 17 years working in economic development has helped foster an environment of entrepreneurship and innovation for businesses both large and small. Today's Difference Maker guest is Bryn Grant, Savannah Economic Development Authority and the World Trade Center Savannah. Bryn, welcome. Uh, glad Hello. you can make it in. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking. Great. Uh, Bryn has spent 17 years with CETA and is a uh, area native, I guess would be the proper way to talk about it. Yes. She grew up in Hinesville. And I assume a Bragwell graduate? I did. Bragwell Go Tigers, yes. Go Tigers. When there was only one high school in yeah. Liberty County. Yeah, well, that's, we won't date you. We'll hold that <laughs> that does you. date me, doesn't it? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but uh, before we get into the, into the topics of the day, talk a little bit about your, your background. And I know that between CETA, you also did some stuff with the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame, which I is did. kind of interesting. I assume you're probably a scratch golfer. And, <laughs> and Savannah Music Festival back when it was, before it was really Savannah, Savannah on Music stage, Festival, right? amazingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I grew up in a, in a small town, and um, I couldn't wait to leave. But looking back, um, and even very soon after leaving for college, I went to the University of Georgia. Um, I looked back on it in, with great, great fondness. Um, uh, it is definitely a place I love, with filled with people that I love, and that kind of community is just so valuable and priceless. Um, I left that tiny town thinking most people, if not all people, were good and honest. And uh, I have had to learn a lesson over and over again that that's not always the case. And I can't just assume that about people. But I think that's because I was raised around such um, high values and uh, really such genuinely good people. I assume that might have been part of what attracted you to come back to. It did, ultimately, I think. Um, I I had not imagined I would ever end up back in Savannah, frankly, when I first left. Um, I had dreams of the big city. You know, I'd go to the University of Georgia, I'd get a degree in broadcasting or in journalism and end up in New York or Chicago. I think that's what lots of people, lots of kids think. Um, But I got an internship at Vodder and Vodder Advertising in Savannah, Georgia, my junior year. Mm -hmm. And I had the greatest summer um, I got to uh, do location scouting for Durst Baking Company uh, commercials with uh, the then uh, VP of the firm, Mary Carswell. That's a name that's still around and working hard in Savannah. Mary is. Um, and I did everything from that kind of really important thing, uh, being on a Durst Baking Company shoot 
to, you know, and, and Mary hates it, I think, when I refer to this story, but I cleaned her fishbowl every Friday. <laughs> and I will never forget it. I will never forget it, but it was so character building. It had to be cleaned. It was part of the office. She was at a, you know, getting paid a much higher rate than I was. I was making nothing. Um, and I was driving back and forth from Hinesville to Savannah every single day for that privilege. But I learned so much in those three months. And I learned that uh, that was something I wanted to do. I, I wanted to go into the advertising business. And when I graduated from college, um, one of the account execs was leaving to have a baby and had decided she wasn't coming back. So I got a job in 1991 in the fall of 1991 when most of my friends were graduating from college and and waiting tables for the next three to five years mm-hmm. um yeah, so economy in 1991. Yeah, yeah it was it was it was it was definitely an employer's market at that time um but when i did my internship um the summer before their office was located downtown and uh, uh, on the square that with the Kehoe house and all of a sudden the name of that square is is escaping me um but i remember that it felt like i was seeing savannah for the very first time mm-hmm. so growing up in in liberty county we would come to savannah sometimes for the doctor or we would come to savannah to get you know your winter coat or your easter dress the old mall, right? yeah you would yes you would go to the savannah mall and uh, you went came to savannah for the dentist perhaps but but we never really spent a whole lot of time in the historic district mm-hmm. and so i didn't value it and I, I don't think that when i had been down there i had really seen it and when i was there for my internship i couldn't believe how beautiful it was i really was just so struck mm-hmm. uh by how beautiful the city was and that was 1991 mm-hmm. um and it has changed incredibly yeah. since i yeah. mean the perspective of 1991 mm-hmm. to today is remarkable the changes so right. um but i fell in love with it then and so then the idea of coming back for that job it wasn't just for that job it was because i had seen savannah in a whole new light and wanted to be a part of whatever that was going to be right well, i can't go off into cedar without touching a little bit on savannah music festival mm-hmm. do you have any recollections of what it was like then because we all know what it's sure. like now so i um i'm going to step back just a little bit from mm-hmm. that and say that i worked for the voter voter advertising mm-hmm. and then i got engaged and moved to augusta georgia where i worked for the convention of visitors bureau mm-hmm. and after a year of or a year and a half of being their director of marketing um and part of the job was to support the georgia golf hall of fame mm-hmm. um I was recruited there to be their very first full-time paid staff person for the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame. And we had a very big, exciting plan to develop a year-round golf attraction, which I still believe is a good idea. It didn't happen. It didn't happen for a lot of reasons. I'm sure a lot of good reasons. But uh, that vision of of creating a year-round attraction uh, that would allow people to touch that unique and and really world-class brand that is Augusta uh, would be brilliant. Um, Sorry that it didn't happen, and I hope something like that will happen. And I was thrilled to be a part of it, at least in those early years. Um, But then my husband at the time got moved uh, back to Savannah, and I stayed with the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame for a year and a half, driving back and forth, not every day, but at least once a week, because I didn't want to leave it. I thought it was the most exciting job I'd ever have in the world. Uh, I thought I'd never love anything like I loved that job until I was contacted by a headhunter about CETA. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even then, I wasn't real excited about it. Um, 
but I needed to live and work in the same city. Right. And uh, so then I started at CEDA. I worked at CEDA for three years. I had a great experience there, left to do consulting work and freelance. Babies were young, Mm -hmm. and uh, things changed in my life. I knew I needed real employment, and uh, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Stewart was the executive director of Savannah on Stage, Mm -hmm. and she had pulled that little arts festival forward for years, year after year after year, and and done so, I thought, very ably, Um, but but I was excited to be hired she had been a single mom of three children and i at that time was a single mom of three children so i was so very grateful um to be a part of something meaningful and real and uh and i was excited about it but she was retiring and i our board uh, was looking for the right leader Mm -hmm. and they hired rob gibson and Mm -hmm. i was thrilled to be a part of that beginning too i did not stay Mm -hmm. uh maybe was only there another three months after rob came but i've certainly been an advocate for it a supporter Mm -hmm. of it i've i've been i I couldn't be more excited about where he's taking it Mm -hmm. and where where it is today uh we we invite people from all over the world to savannah during savannah music festival um, because it is a great time and a great way to showcase what I think and we gr- we think is the very, very best of Savannah. So uh, working for uh, Savannah on stage and watching it transition to the Savannah Music Festival was exciting, and I still love it today. Did you get a sense that, that the ceiling was that high? You know, um, a little bit, because... Um, because of where Rob was coming from and what he had achieved where he was. Mm -hmm. Um, Having been the founding director of Jazz at Lincoln Center was very impressive. The the idea that we were getting him Mm -hmm. here in Savannah was really kind of mind-blowing wow how did we get you know a talent like that and and he it's been no disappointment what he's been able to achieve for the Savannah Music Festival. I frankly think that this it's the, the future is is even greater than anything we can imagine still. Right. right. First Fan Music Festival. Yeah, absolutely. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about CETA. Difference Makers is a production of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com website. Want 24-7 access to the best in local news, commentary, sports, and arts and culture? Sign up now for a digital subscription to SavannahNow.com and take advantage of a special offer. Get full access to the website's content for $8.30 a month when you sign up for a full year. That's more than $3 off the regular month-to-month rate. Stay informed. Subscribe to SavannahNow.com. Call Rodney Phillips at 912-652-0404. That's 912-652-0404 to take advantage of this introductory offer. We're back on the Difference Makers podcast, joined today by Bryn Grant. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with CETA right now. Bryn has been with CETA, uh, this is her second stint, and has been with in, in this current tenure since 2004. And obviously we've seen a lot of changes in this town since 2004, especially on the economic development front. Uh, from CETA's perspective, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, a high watermark might have been about 2011 when a report came in that talked about some of the strengths and weaknesses of Savannah and what could be leveraged and what couldn't. And I understand now that that there's a new report that maybe is kind of kind of built off of that. Can you share some information about that with us? Certainly, certainly. So in 2011, uh, we commissioned a study um, with 
Stanford Research International. It was a competitive positioning analysis and target industry study, and uh, the results of which have driven a lot of of our initiatives and strategies uh, over the last seven years. Interestingly, uh, many other partners and stakeholders in uh, not only Savannah and Chatham, but maybe even some throughout the region, have taken that report and used it to help inform their own plans, which has been really uh, exciting to see. Now we are ready to update that plan. It's something we'd like to do about every five to seven years, and so we are in the process now of... of, uh, We've just selected the firm. It hasn't been announced yet, but our board committee has selected the firm, and and that'll be announced soon, and we'll begin the process that will engage businesses and organizations and elected officials and, and government leaders around Savannah and Chatham County and perhaps even into the region uh, to develop that next plan for the next five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Um so it will be a competitive positioning analysis and a target industry study. What's different about this one is it will also result in an economic development plan. Mm-hmm. And in that plan will be benchmarks and real specific strategies and tasks related to those to those goals. What were some of the highlights that came out of the first one and, and stuff you guys look back at now and say we really latched onto that and created success from that? So advanced manufacturing is obviously a, a, a focus and uh, that continues with aerospace being kind of the, the lead of that. Certainly Gulfstream has grown enormously and and we can't take for granted the fact that Gulfstream is here. We can never take that for granted and it's amazing the time it takes and the effort it takes and the communication and the partnership that is required to keep uh, are part of that bargain, so to speak. So I know Trip uh, Tolleson, our president and CEO, is very involved in working with Gulfstream on a regular basis to keep them as as well as we can to contribute to their health and growth, um, and help them make their plans, you know, successful. Um, the other thing, though, has been the film industry, film and television industry, for sure. So one of the things that was validated, I think, there were a number of people who believed that film and television uh, was a great opportunity industry for this area. We had had some success, obviously, over the years, um, but it was a little too sporadic, and it wasn't it wasn't an industry that allowed uh, the professionals here in that industry to stay here and work here you know throughout the year every year mm-hmm. they were having to travel a lot um so we couldn't keep and grow our crew base uh and and therefore in, in direct proportion then the high wage jobs yep. uh, that we as an organization are so focused on when we didn't have uh productions on a regular basis mm-hmm. quality productions on a regular basis so uh, that study validated that that was a great that 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 was a great potential direction for our area and that was some strategic investments and partnerships um, and strategy that we could create a sustainable higher wage 
entertainment production industry in this area and we have uh, as a result of that uh, we've seen amazing success since 2011 we had a a professional committee uh, that was led by Stratton Leopold of professionals in the industry the film office director at that time was Jay Self he participated a number of other industry professionals I believe even Michael Mm Trainer served on that original committee to really identify the strengths and weaknesses of our area for that industry and then to make recommendations to see board about what CETA could do to eliminate the barriers and increase the opportunities. And so there were two specific recommendations. There were several recommendations, but two specific that would they thought would have the greatest impact and that CETA seized mm-hmm. the opportunity to pursue. One was hiring someone to represent savannah as a location for production in la and we were very very fortunate to identify ralph singleton an emmy award-winning producer who literally wrote the textbook for production so in film school most of uh, the film schools are using a textbook that ralph singleton authored (laughs) Um, and he's an emmy award-winning producer so we were thrilled to have him representing us in la and working with us here to help us build the industry strategically create the partnerships we needed for workforce development um, with savannah technical college and the georgia film academy that now exists here Um, and and to identify it is at savannah tech The other recommendation was to develop local incentives, incentives that would help fill the gap or 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 level the playing field because there wasn't a full time uh, crew base here. It would cost productions initially a a bit more money because they would have to bring crew here, and that would cost them more to film in Savannah or produce in Savannah than in other locations. Mm -hmm. So if we can make up that difference for them a little bit in these first few years and get them coming more regularly, then we could grow a crew base. And that's what we've seen. Um, The database that existed in 2014 of crew base in Chatham County was 11 registered. (laughs) There are now 495 registered on our filmsavannah.org website under crew base under under crew how much does having i think there's at least four or five big studios in atlanta now how how much does it benefit having even bigger operations that close that you can maybe pull from it 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 certainly i think it certainly helps i mean uh atlanta is the state's greatest asset relative to film and television production and the state and the department of economic development's film division led by lee thomas um they're so full they're frankly bursting at the seams and and those facilities we understand are often booked uh, well in advance and so they're looking for other locations in the state and savannah is an ideal location sometimes the location is driven by the actual locations so they it's a period piece for example and they need our historic district or they need a beach right. um, or they need uh, you know the countryside i mean there are lots of things that savannah can be and has been we've been miami we've been chicago we've been new orleans we've been lots of things in film and television production and uh, we're very versatile from a locations perspective but but Atlanta's growth, Georgia's growth, um, has has been the impetus to you know that that the, the catalyst for all of this and for this opportunity. So it's we definitely need and want and and are trying to figure out exactly the best way to get a soundstage development here. Mm-hmm. There is one, uh, the Savannah Film Factory on Farm Street, and that's fantastic. And there have been lots of big 
productions there, um, but there are often two and three productions in town at the same time, and we need options. Yeah, supply needs to keep up with demand mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit there. Huh? Yeah, right. yeah. So we've seen great success. I mean, I, I, the uh, the direct spend in Savannah in 2015, after a year of effort, was $59 million in direct spend in Chatham County, and that surpassed the previous five years combined, and it has only increased every year since then. Yeah. Um, and in 2018, uh, we're already past our total for 2017. So, so, so it is working, but it is, you know, the rock that we're pushing up the mountain is halfway there and it and it requires our continued focus and our continued effort to get it over that over that hill so to speak and to keep make it a sustainable industry we need that infrastructure to locate we need the crew base to keep growing great before we get into the the nerding out statement we start talking about world trade center and savannah as an international destination for business now let's talk a little bit about um, leadership Southeast Georgia. I know it's something oh, that's, you. that you're, that you uh, are involved in and, and see a, a great value in. Can you kind of enlighten us on what that program is about? I certainly can, and I appreciate you asking me about it. Um, so I had done Leadership Savannah. It was an amazing program. I encourage everyone to do Leadership Savannah and or any of the of the other leadership programs in the in the region. Uh, they're all excellent, uh, and I think they're vital to informing the leaders of a community about the issues that community faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leadership Southeast Georgia steps up and, I mean, yes, yeah, steps up and outside of just the county and links 10 counties mm-hmm. from Screven County and Bullock uh, toward the north west mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess yeah. all the way down to camden county at, at the at the border of our state with florida so um it is an opportunity for people who are already leaders in their own communities to connect with each other mm-hmm. so there is a leadership development component and i found that fascinating it didn't matter how many times i might have had an opportunity through my career to participate in those kinds of things i embrace them i love those opportunities we have a great facilitator suzanne kirk who does an exceptional job and brings a little bit of that leadership development component to the program um, but it really is about learning about the issues of our region so everything from natural resources in the environment to economic development health transportation um, what are the issues our communities are facing what do we have in common what could we work on together I've seen businesses grow as a result of relationships made through leadership southeast Georgia I've seen just lots of really great things evolve and um, I think it's an important asset for our region when I became interested when I saw the T-SPLOST fail mm-hmm. in this region and when I saw the Amendment 2 uh, effort fail in this region I thought wow there has to be a way to connect with each other better and, and educate people about these issues that we're facing um, and, and, and I think Leadership Southeast Georgia is a, is a vehicle for that. It's interesting because a lot of people talk about the whole idea of two Georgias, Atlanta and the rest of Georgia. I think here in coastal Georgia, probably people look at Savannah the same way we look at Atlanta. I think sometimes. And it's hard to kind of get maybe those folks in the other counties are willing to, but but do we in this county need to do a big a better job of of thinking beyond 95 and and the the Forest River? I think so. 
Um, and I think it's maybe a little easier for me because I grew up in Liberty County and I have my career has been in, in Chatham County. Um, and so I think of our region as home. Right. I spoke in Glenville, Georgia, several years ago, and um, I had had taken dance lessons from the dance teacher in Glen in Glenville and and had danced at their Onion Festival. And I, it felt as much like home to me as Liberty County does. Right. It right. just so the region for me is home. So it is a little bit easier for me to think that way. But um, we definitely run into that kind of thinking a lot and and it's not that i don't understand it and it's not that it isn't justified in some ways but it is limiting and we do have to think more regionally um to that point world trade center savannah has been a big player that's right that's right we're going to go from thinking regionally to thinking globally here and in just a moment. The At Savannah Opinion Difference Makers podcast is brought to you by Savannah Buds and Burgers Week. Between June 22nd and July 1st, more than 20 local restaurants will create special burgers, pair them with a cold Budweiser, and sell the combo to you for just $10. The restaurants will compete for the title of Most Unique Burger. The promotion is presented by Budweiser and the Savannah Morning News. Check dinesavannah.com, that's dine, D-I-N-E, savannah.com, for the list of participating restaurants. Or if you're a restaurateur looking to participate, contact Megan Miller at 912-652-0445. That's 912-652-0445. Or email her at Megan.Miller. Megan is M-E-G-A-N dot Miller, common spelling, M-I-L-L-E-R, at savannahnow.com. Deadline to be a participant is June the 15th. Let's get into what we like to call the nerding out session now, where we try to focus on an area of our guest expertise that maybe not we're, t- we're not necessarily talking directly about what they do, but maybe about how they do it and, and what they think about in terms of Savannah and, and where it all fits. And for you, Brenton, World Trade Center Savannah has been around for several years now. I know you were in, in on the ground floor on that, and when people, I think most people think world trade center they think of the twin towers but yes. it's been around in this town long enough that people kind of have a pretty good idea of what it is and uh when you talk about savannah as a global hub and we know we are we have one of the largest ports in the world we have uh the the largest business aircraft manufacturer in the world we have an internationally based uh, heavy equipment manufacturer we have an internationally based uh turbine manufacturer we're, we're a global town whether people realize it or not but in terms of connecting companies other than those and connecting companies other than are related to the ports, that's where the World Trade Center comes in, right? Yes, yes. So I love that you said when some people think of World Trade Center, they think of the Twin Towers, no doubt whatsoever. And in fact, when we were first considering World Trade Center, uh, the World Trade Center license is an option. And somebody said World Trade Center, that's what I thought. Um, but what we learned is that it's a network of over 300 other World Trade Center locations in nearly 100 countries. And that gave us access to a network that no matter how much money we might have spent through any other option that we were considering, uh, we were looking at ways to be more proactive internationally. We could never achieve that, which was already created and existed within that World Trade Centers Association. It's the reason we, our, our board committee recommended to the board that we buy this license. And I think that's the value, um, uh, one of the greatest values that we bring to businesses in not only Savannah and Chatham County, but our region. 
And right now we have 16 other economic development authorities that invest in World Trade Center Savannah on an annual basis to be partners with World Trade Center Savannah because we work with them and we work with their businesses to help them grow internationally. So we have three reasons we exist. One is to help regional businesses grow internationally, increase revenue, increase jobs. Um, Number two, we want to help facilitate foreign direct investment for the region as much as we possibly can. And three, we have to generate revenue to support those ideals and those goals. Um, And so our partners in economic development they share those goals. We all want to increase revenue and create jobs or help to create jobs and attract investment to our region. So we're working with businesses every single day, many small businesses, medium-sized businesses. And we really thought that that is the, the probably the um, sweet spot of our work. Um, but frankly, you know, Gulfstream is a partner of ours. The Georgia Ports Authority is an investing partner in ours. And when we sat down, even with those global companies, they saw benefit in the services and the connections that can be provided through our our organization at the lo- local level and that network at the international level. That's interesting. What do people maybe not understand when they get involved with doing business overseas? What And it might not be what businesses here don't understand about doing things internationally, but maybe businesses overseas doing business with somebody here. Is there, is there some, some key lessons or some key knowledge? Are there key knowledge? lessons? Um, uh, nothing is immediately coming to mind as an answer to that question. I would say that um, uh, in my experience, there are many countries that um, sell internationally because they have to. Many businesses, for example, Ireland is a, is a partner and one of our target countries and a partner of ours through our program called Trade Bridge. And uh, in Ireland, businesses know that they have to sell internationally, whether throughout the EU or into the United States in order to grow and to be successful. Cause Small they're, market. They're, right. right. Um, and in the United States, we haven't had to do that as much. Now, a number of years ago, um, I think under the Obama administration, there was a major push to grow American exports mm-hmm. uh, through the Department of Commerce and um, and certainly at our state level. Our state, we're, we, we are very, very fortunate to have such a professional and uh, effective trade division of our Department of Economic Development. So the only thing I could say is that um, that people in the United States, anyway, and some of the companies that, that we're talking to are either intimidated by the idea of doing business internationally um, or, or just see no need to because the American market has been all that they needed it to be so far. And, and we would just encourage... Uh, businesses that can to really look at deeply whether they should and work with us on how if the answer is yes and you said you found it striking how many small businesses are, are really getting involved in finding success in working yeah. overseas um so and i'm going to share a statistic with you that i just read at, at georgia trend I, it might have been a month or two ago mary waters the de- deputy commissioner of the department of economic development's trade division is quoted and 95% of all Georgia counties have companies that are exporting. Um, and this is what I found so remarkable. 80% of all the companies the state worked with last year 
through the International Trade Division, 80% had less than 100 employees, and 66% had fewer than 20. That is remarkable to me. That was astounding to me. And what that says is that there's huge opportunity uh, for small businesses. Some obviously are seizing that opportunity. Uh, the state is helping them, and we just want all businesses in our region of the state to understand and know that there's potential for them too, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in every case. It doesn't make sense for everybody, mm-hmm. but we w- would at least like people to explore those options. Um, we would like to help them grow internationally so that they can increase revenue and create jobs here. You start to do business overseas, and I know just from a short stint at Gulfstream is you have to consider a lot of the cultural differences. And business, I guess, is almost the international language. I think uh, it is. But it, when you started to work with some with some people overseas, has there been a is there an adjustment period in terms of working with somebody there versus working with somebody maybe across the river in South Carolina? So I think that's what makes the World Trade Centers Association so valuable. Um, it is a network of like-minded, business-focused people. And so when we are working very often, in fact, most times, there is a World Trade Center in most of the areas in which we've focused. Mm-hmm. Now, if a business in this area is looking at a country in which there isn't a World Trade Center, then we're, we're, we're working through our state office or the federal government's Department of Commerce, you know, the embassies or something, we, we, we would try. But through the network of World Trade Centers, that's what kind of leveled the playing field. It makes the communication so much easier because we're working together through that network on a regular basis. And as you said, business is the international language. One of the uh, taglines for the World Trade Center Association was peace and prosperity through trade. Mm -hmm. And everyone, you know, we have a meeting or two, I think there are two uh, international meetings each year, and all of those World Trade Centers are, are not just calling each other Uh, throughout the year for projects but actually meeting and getting to know each other Mm -hmm. so it makes that whole process uh, much more effective and smoother Um, and so yes I mean obviously protocol is different in every single country and we provide that kind of information to any business we'll provide a report on protocol Um, in fact there's one story of an engineering architectural firm here that was looking to expand internationally and had done business internationally and they said they were interested in Turkey. This was before some of the political unrest and when Turkey was definitely rising economically right. and globally. Um, so we identified a trade show that the state was going to be attending and would supplement the cost for Georgia businesses. Uh, that was particularly focused on the construction industry in that part of the world, the largest one in that part of the world. And we did the research and provided them a report on the country of Turkey, everything from the economy to uh, protocol to religion to money, and then an industry-focused report. How does the architectural and engineering industry work in that part of the world? Mm -hmm. Then we worked with our partners at World Trade Center in Istanbul to identify potential partners for them. They don't enter a new market like that without a partner partner on the ground and and because the world trade center istanbul is so professional they were able to identify and they have a network in istanbul they were able to identify potential partners so when this company went they were fully prepared fully informed they met with potential partners they did so in one location six potential partners in one day and they attended a trade show with the state that was offset in part by a state grant Uh, and when he came back he said you know i've done international business for 
20 years and I could have done a lot of this, but it would have taken me six months longer and it would have cost me far more at my billable rate. And you were able to do it for me in six weeks. And in addition to that, I knew I was sitting across the table from people who had been vetted Mm -hmm. by people who knew them. And I was able to meet with six potential partners in one day in one prestigious location rather than driving around a city as big as Istanbul. Uh, which might have taken him 10 days. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. So that's, I think, the perfect example of the kind of work we can do for businesses here looking for opportunities elsewhere. And that network is what, and the culture of the network we're part of is is what smooths the sales. Is that that the right word? Yeah. 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 Uh, To wrap up, and and without getting political, I know that's going to be kind of hard to do, but we're we're in an era now where, America First is kind of reigning, and I'm wondering how organizations such as the World Trade Center have had to evolve with that, if at all. I think our interest is on helping companies grow, and so we work with companies on their specific focus areas, on their specific strategies, and we address, address or help them address whatever issues you know stand in the way um, of, of their effort. And uh, truly is on a case-by-case basis. Some things are benefit to some businesses that are a negative factor to others. And uh, we're just focused on each business that needs our help and and how we can help them grow. And I imagine that network, that relationship kind of, as you said, smooths the Smooths the sales, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, Brent, thank you very much for coming in today and joining us for Difference Makers. And we look forward to having you back again someday. Thank you for having me, and great to see you.